We bless the name of the Lord this morning. It's another wonderful morning, amen. I don't know what has happened in the weather, but it's just become very cold. So I want to thank you for breaking the weather and uh, coming to church uh, for the time that we have this morning. May the Lord richly bless you for that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We thank you, we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so we continue with life is about choices and today we are looking at part four. Uh, I was hoping that we could be done today but now it looks like we are not going to be done today. Um, there are a few more things that we need to look at so definitely this is going to take us into focus and uh, I hope and I pray and I trust God that you have been blessed with this series and that it is helping you to look at things uh, differently from the way that you have always looked at things. Amen? Amen? Basically what I've been saying is that the choices we make in life have consequences. Amen? Amen. And we looked at the very first week that there are some choices that we just make them unconsciously, but there are choices that we have to make consciously, and the choices that we make consciously in life that have got consequences. To the extent that if you don't like your life right now, don't just pray about it, because sometimes we make a mistake of just praying about things and praying about things without taking the next step. The next step actually that you need to do is to change your actions. Hallelujah. Amen. After you have prayed, change your actions and change your decisions. You cannot continue making decisions the way you used to make them and expect different results. It's not going to work. Hallelujah. So after prayer, change your actions, change your decisions. We can conclude that we are where we are right now because of what we believe and because of what we do. It's very, very hard for you to do something that is contrary to what you believe. Hallelujah. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with us being black. Because some people think we are where we are because we are black. There's absolutely nothing wrong because of us being black. I, I can actually assure you that us black people are one of the most intelligent people in the world. Amen? God, God has blessed us with amazing, amazing, amazing things. So we are not where we are because of, of, of us being having this skin pigmentation. So that's the first thing I want to take out immediately. And we'll, we're going to look into that in, in a bit more detail. And we are also not what we are because of the location that we are in. Sometimes we think that because we are in Africa and therefore there is a challenge with us being in Africa. There is absolutely nothing wrong 
being born in Africa and living in Africa. You can be blessed here in Africa as you can be blessed anywhere else in the world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. Hallelujah. And everything thereof. So God, God, has, God has put everything for us right here. There's a gentleman called Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein was a Jew, by the way. And one of the things that Albert Einstein said, it's a, it's a very profound statement. But he says, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where I add what I'll add. Uh, but I'll read first what he said, just the way he said it. He said that the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level we were at when we created them. So I'll add a few words to that. So listen to what I'm adding to that. I will actually say that the significant problems we face today, that's my addition, cannot be solved at the same level of thinking, decision making, we were at when we first created those problems. Hallelujah. Because there are so many people they, they, have, they, they attend the same class. You can actually, I, I, I just want you to look back a little bit right now. Go back to the people you attended the same class with. You can conclude that even though it was the same class, the same teacher, that people end up with different destinies. Hallelujah. And, and, and very interestingly, same parents, you share the same womb. Same mother who conceived you. And, and people turn out different destinies. Same parents. When you check about it, it's always about choices. Hallelujah. It's about choices. So this week, next week, and the other week, we are going to look at one case study. It's the case study of Jacob and Esau. Or Esau and Jacob. That's the case study we're going to look at. So in order for us to look at that case study, let's go to Genesis 25. And we're going to look at verse 20 to 34. Genesis 25. And we're going to look at verse uh, 20 to 34. It's a very interesting story. Because there's some things that we're going to learn from there. Now, let me start at verse 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. So let's start now verse 20. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife. That means he got married at the age 40. The daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Reb Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her and she said, if all is well why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb two peoples shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall save the younger. As we all know, 
Esau eventually ended up serving Jacob, but we're going to look into that in more greater detail. Verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the face came out red. He was a hairy, he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. That means they waited for these children for about 20, I think about 21 years of marriage. So you, you may have been waiting for some things. Uh, if, if it's, <laughs> and then you go on I say, it, it is well, it is well, hallelujah. Let's carry on. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew. I want you to underline that word, same red stew. Same red stew. And my interest is going to be on the word same. Same. It's a very important word, same. Same red stew. I want the same red shirt. I want the same red gold chain. I want the same, uh, the same pizza. I want the same uh, kebab. I want the same uh, chocolate, whatever. I want, I want the same, okay? Same. I want you to take note of that word, same. For I am weary, therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Today, God willing, we're going to look at the birthright. Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Hallelujah. Quickly. Here is Esau and Jacob, born almost at the same time. I think if there was a difference, it was a matter of seconds or minutes. We don't know how it took, long it took, but what we are told is that they were twins, they were born on the same day. Hallelujah. Same day. The only difference between these two guys is maybe just a matter of minutes or a matter of seconds that Rebecca took for Esau to come out and then eventually Jacob to come out. But it was just a matter of very, very few seconds and very, very few minutes. Hallelujah. Same womb conceived, I believe, on the same day. That's what I believe. And they stayed in the womb of Rebecca for exactly same period of time, nine months. Hallelujah. Same father, their father is called Isaac. Same dad and same mother, but their destinies were completely different. When we look at the story of Esau and Jacob, there are two incidents that happened in their life that a lot of us have stuck in our mind. Incident number one is when Jacob 
bought, and I want you to take note of the word bought, bought the birthright from Esau. And instant number two is when Isaac blessed Jacob thinking, presuming that it was Esau that he was blessing. And it's interesting that in our day and age, and we have been in church for a long time, there's been a very common thinking. The common thinking has been that Jacob was a crook. How many have you heard that? <laughs> there's been a common thinking that Jacob was a crook, and that Jacob was a deceiver, and that Jacob cheated Esau. And because of that common thinking and common theology, if I can use that word, which has been preached in church for a long time, a lot of us in church have a lot of sympathy for Esau, but I want you to, be, to understand, I think from today, uh, as we carry on for the next three weeks, you're actually going to begin to uh, not have sympathy for Esau anymore. <laughs> because God, God, God never called Jacob a crook. God never called Jacob a crook. Actually, it's very interesting that the Bible says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Do you want to tell me that we are now saying the God of Abraham, uh, uh, God's friend, the God of Isaac, Abraham's son, and the God of a crook? Okay, so, so, so when you look at that, you actually begin to see that actually what you begin to understand and see is that Esau was a disrespectful person who didn't value what he had. Amen. That's why the Bible says Esau despised his birthright. He was a profane person. He did not value what he had by birth. And a lot of us Africans, we do not value what God has given us. And we are going to look into all that. Now, there are many people like that who don't value what they have. Now, what we are told is that Rebecca is pregnant after Isaac has gone to plead before the Lord and Rebecca has been waiting for quite some time and, and at this point uh, we are told, actually now we are being told that I think they've been married for about 20 years or so. And, uh, and, and because of that, Rebecca gets pregnant. After Rebecca gets pregnant, let's, we are going to look at this in more greater detail. Let's go to verse 23, 22. It's the Bible says, But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? Hallelujah. You know, I, I should say something before I carry on. I think sometimes in life, life can beat you so hard, it can beat you so hard and beat you so hard, and yet you're doing everything right. Anybody been in that situation before? I think there's a question that we should ask ourselves. We should ask ourselves, I've been doing everything right, but why am I like this? We are going to ask that part of the question today. 
And Rebecca says, why am I like this? If all is well, why am I like this? So she does all what we need to do. The Bible tells us that she went to inquire of the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes we rush to go inquire of people. And not inquiring of the Lord. And that's why I always say, please church, I beg you. Can we come to the point of knowing God for ourselves? Then we can grow up to the point whereby we begin to hear God. So she goes to inquire of the Lord. And, and somehow we understand in this verse that Isaac did not go to inquire of the Lord with Rebekah. Isaac makes her pregnant. I think his job is done. Now Rebecca is carrying these twins. And, and she, she's the one that is hearing this struggle in her, in, in, in her womb. And she goes to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord answers her. Amen. There is an answer that you should see of the Lord. The Lord says two nations. He doesn't say two children. He says two nations are in your womb. I want you to begin, for the mothers in this church today, I want you to begin, whether you've got three children, begin to call those three children three nations. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. If you've got one, one nation. If you've got two, two nations. Amen. If you've got eight, there are eight nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many ones nine. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but, but I want you to see that God, God doesn't call them two children. He says two nations. Two nations. What does a nation have? A nation has several things. It has got a political structure. It has got an economic structure. It has got an education structure. It has, it has got so many things that make up a nation. Okay? So God says like there are two people. Their paradigm as far as politics, politics, education, and, and, and media, and what, and what, and what, and what, you are carrying two different nations in your womb. They're not going to be one nation, they're going to be two different nations. Let's carry on. And then he says, two peoples shall be separated from your body. You are going to have two children, but they are going to be separated. Hallelujah. And then he says, one of them is going to be stronger than the other. That means the other one is going to be weak. You can't say this one is stronger than this one, but both of them are strong. It means one of them is strong and the other one is weak. Hallelujah. And then he says, and the order shall serve the younger. So when, when the time of giving birth is getting closer, she is paying very close attention to who comes out first and who comes out second. And Rebecca immediately knows this one who is young is actually going to be the one that is going to rule over the one that has come out first. Hallelujah. And, and then, so then the Bible says, uh, here are individuals and, and, and God, God calls them nations. And I want us to know, I want us to understand this. In, uh, in this church, in any nation, in, in our families, in, uh, and everywhere else, 
actually we have got only two kinds of people in the world when, when we begin to look at this. You're going to discover that there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are people who are Jacob people and there are people who are Esau people. With only two. And, and, and most people, most, why am I saying that? It's because most people run their lives either at the pattern of Jacob or the pattern of Esau. As we begin to look at it. So, why I'm saying all this is that, that I said it, an earlier question, I said, we need to come to the point where life has beaten us so hard, so hard, so hard, and we, we believe we're doing everything right. We need to ask ourselves the question, what pattern, what system am I operating with? Am I operating with a Jacob system or am I operating with an Esau system? Am I operating with a Jacob pattern or am I operating with an Esau pattern? If I ask a lot of us in this room right now, you're going to tell me that you're operating with a Jacob pattern, but very few are. Hallelujah. Because, you know, you can't expect to behave in the same way and expect to get different results. And, and, and I think for the majority of people, we operate same way, and, but we expect that we're going to get different results. It doesn't work like that. Let's begin to look at the system that we operate with, or the patterns that we operate with. So, let's go to verse 27. The Bible says, so the boys grew. I believe all of us have grown. Hallelujah. And I, 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 I believe all of us grown. Some, some of the children here are in King's Kids. Some of them are still very young. But all of us have grown. Now, he says the boys grew. Hallelujah. Now, when they grew, the Bible says, and Esau was a skillful hunter. Skillful hunter, number one, a man of the field. What do hunters do? Huh? They hunt. That's exactly the answer I was looking for. Hunters hunt. When they go to hunt, what do they do? Uh, before they kill. Huh? Uh -uh. Before they hunt. You see, we're going to have a very good church service today. Okay, when they have gone to hunt, what do they do? Before they kill. Eh? They chase. They chase. They, 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 they are going to disturb some animals. They are then going to chase. Hallelujah. When they are chasing, the Bible says he, he is a man who is a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but if he is chasing, he is using adrenaline. Hallelujah. He's using his physical strength. Now, when, when you are chasing animals, how many animals can you chase at a time? You can only chase one animal at a time. And you have to believe that either you have to outrun that animal or you have to run to the extent that that animal gets tired in order for you to kill it. So all you're doing, in all your running, number one, you are sweating, you are working very, very hard, very, very hard, 
very, very hard to produce results. But sometimes, unfortunately, you may not produce the results. Because afterwards, you don't, the animal can just go missing and you can't find another one again. But the devil tried to find others, the others are gone. Hallelujah. The focus is only on one animal. And you do exactly what Naomi said. Your focus of that one animal is not to catch it alive. It's to kill it. Hallelujah. It's to eventually kill it. And I want you to, to tell you the truth. I think a lot of us, we have killed some things in our lives. I think we've killed some things in our lives. And by the time you are coming back home, how many, you killed this one animal. How many animals are you going to come back home with? Only one animal. Only one animal. Only one salary. Hallelujah. Only one salary. Only one. You have only been focusing on one job. Only one job. There is nothing else you do apart from that one job. If we can look at your life, it's only one way. Only, only one. There is nothing else on the side that you do. Only one. Are we together? Let's carry on. So sometimes you come home and you have nothing. Now, here is a funny thing that happens. God can bless you with so much abundance. Can bless you with so much abundance. But if you are only focusing on one, eventually, not long afterwards, you're going to bring it into extinction. So, let's look at Esau. Esau goes to the field to hunt animals. And he goes to hunt. He goes to hunt. He goes to hunt. He goes to hunt. Not long afterwards, at some point, the animals are going to get depleted. They may be gone. Because you don't know whether the ones he's hunting are females or males. So, let's, sorry for him if all he's hunting are female animals. Because the male ones are not going to give birth anymore. So, as the animals, the, and, and this is the funny thing about life. You know, though even though he is a skillful hunter, and he goes to the field all the time to hunt animals, you know, the strength he had when he was 20 is not going to be the same strength he will have when he is 60. Do you agree with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. You agree with me, right? Yes. And I want you to know, the strength you had when you were 20, is not going to be the same strength you are going to have when you are 60. So even though he is a skillful hunter, but everything he is working on at, in his life, it only has one life cycle. Israel is not sharp enough, intelligent enough to think about breeding the animals. All he is doing is he is hunting, he is killing, and he's bringing. He's the kind of people that you can give them Chikangawa forest and they can turn it into a desert. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can give them anything else. You can give them anything. People are saying you can take black people from here in Africa and take them to Europe today. It's not going to take a long time. They're going to turn Europe into exactly like what Africa is right now. And you take the Europeans and bring them down here, and they say, this Africa, this very same Africa, is going to turn around all of a sudden. 
It's not an issue of location. It's always an issue of a mindset. Let's, so what I, what I like to say there is that a lot of energy and a lot of hard work with very little wisdom can be punishment for your body. And it's going to give you little results. The end result is that you're going to be weak. You're going to be weak. Let's look at Jacob. Let's look at Jacob. Jacob, the Bible says, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. He's not a hunter. He is a mild man. A mild man. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a preacher on the world called Dr. Mesa Otterbill. He actually says the world mild man means a cultivator. He says it means a cultivator. Now, if he is dwelling in tents, that means Jacob has his at home. Jacob is using several things. He is using ideas. He's become, he's, he's using his thoughtfulness. He's using wisdom to produce the results that he wants and not just physical strength. And you will actually, if there is one thing, one thing I wonder to this day, if there is one thing people don't want to do is to think. For a lot of people, thinking is very hard. We want everything has already been with us. Actually, we want uh, already done news. We don't want to think about producing a recipe for anything. We want things that are already what? Are already done. Because it's very, very hard to think. It's very hard to think. And people always ask you, date done, date done, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? Whenever people are busy asking you, what should we do? What should we do? It's basically telling you, I don't want to think. I want you to think for me and tell me what I should do. So when I when I work with people, when somebody I sit in a meeting and somebody gives up a very, very good suggestion, I always say, brilliant idea. You lead us in that. And people say eventually say, Pastor Nadaf, Uma Buka houses into Amakuza Zona with you also grace me also. Okay. It's better for me not to talk because I know if I talk, he's going to tell me, lead us on this. But you know what? The reason why that happens is because you have started a thought process and we want to see that thought process come to an end. Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah. If you're not challenged to do that, you're going to become like an Esau. Mm. So, Jacob, because he's thinking, because he's using wisdom, you can give him anything, anything, anything. He will grow it and he will increase what you have given him and he is not killing what you have given him even though he is also working hard. Hallelujah. Jacob is the kind of people that you give them a little seed. You can give them a little plot of land. You can, you can give them uh, a, little, a, a, a little farm. You can give them one animal. Actually, sometimes I, I, I can't remember. But there was a time, I think there were a few men in this church. We went to visit a brother. And that brother gave each one of us, I think, a chicken, if I'm not wrong. 
Some of us went home and killed the chicken and we ate the meal. But I remember there's a brother in this church, after he went home, he kept that cock or hen and eventually they ate more eggs out of it. Hallelujah. The challenge that we have with a lot of people is you give them money to immediate. A lot of people, if you give people money immediately, what they will think when you have given them money is spending it. They will not think about investing that money. Ah, 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 let, let me spend this one. But Jacob is the kind of people, you give them a little thing, he's going to turn it into an abundance. If Jacob catches an animal, he's not going to kill it, he's going to multiply it, he's going to breed it. And I want us as a people to go on a journey of breeding ideas. Hallelujah. So, what we should say therefore is, you can pray all you want to pray. You can cast out all the demons you want to cast out. You are not going to mount to much if you don't change your mindset. Amen. Hallelujah. So there are churches that are built either on a Jacob system or an Esau system. There are families that are built either on a Jacob system or an Esau system. And there are actually people that are built either on a Jacob system or an Esau system. Let's begin to wrap up for today. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. It's going to be our last scripture. Time has gone very fast. Proverbs chapter 12, it's gonna, it's, it's, it, that's where I'm going to end today. Proverbs 12, verse 27. The Bible says, The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is, a man, is man's precious possession. What is diligence? What is diligence? Please, quick answers. Because you use these English words. <laughs> what is diligence? Uncle Levy, what is diligence? Wisdom. Who said wisdom? Yeah, Uncle Martin. So, diligence is wisdom. Alright? So, let's go to this. It says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Let's break it down. Now, if you read that scripture, it's basically saying a lazy man is a hunter. A lazy man is a hunter. But the question is, can a hunter be a lazy man? Do you think a can a let's let's talk. Do you think a hunter is a lazy man? Do you think chasing an animal is, uh, you can call that lazy? No. Huh? Chasing after an animal and running with it and you catch it and you kill it and, and you bring it home, you're bringing some meat. And you call that lazy? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. There's absolutely no way you can relax and you're hunting. There's absolutely no way you can recline in a chair and you tell you, you tell you're hunting. The Bible is calling it lazy because of one thing. You don't roast what you took in hunting. I'll give you a very good example. What is roasting? What is roasting? Answer me, what is roasting? Think, think, church, think. What is roasting? Eh? Cook it. 
What okay, what is that? Huh? It's not preserving. What is roasting? It's adding value. Can you eat raw meat? I know the Japanese do it. Okay, but if I bring you raw meat right now, are you going to eat it? No, you are going to take it through a process to make it become something that is eatable. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, a lazy man goes to hunt. After he has hunted, he does not add value to what he has brought from what? Hunting. Let's give a very good example. You go, you, you are a farmer. And, and a lot of us, I love it, we, we talk about farming, 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 farming. You are a farmer. You have grown soil. All you are thinking about is that they are saying, Chagati no soya has a pull up a 500 kwaja per kilo. But you can't think of producing soya milk. You can't think of processing the soya to produce oil. You can't think of using the very same soya to produce what? Animal feed, which is called a soya cake. All you think about is, let me go produce soya and when I buy that soya I'm going to sell it to I'm not going to mention the companies I'm going to sell it to that company and sell it to that company right now something that's very 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 popular is this big market of pigeon peas that has been found everybody right now is actually thinking of buying pigeon peas to get exports Nobody is thinking, nobody in this church, nobody is thinking about, okay, you know what, we can team together, we can come up with a company that can start producing oil. Do you think the guys who started making Kukoma oil are different from you? The people who started making sunseed oil, are they different from you? The people who started making all these oil that you go and buy in Chipiku. If I ask some of us right now, I'll actually find a people that are growing soil. Where is your cooking oil? You are lazy because you are not thinking of a process that you can add value. If there is no value addition to what you produce, you are what? Because we are going to remain a producer of primary commodities which is actually selling what you hunt for. Oil. When you take oil, you know a lot of countries, Nigeria, Nigeria produces a lot of oil. But when you go to Nigeria, it's very interesting. People use generators more than all the others. Actually, sometimes you can go to Nigeria and there's no petrol. Nigeria, there was a point they had, I think, about four refineries. None of them work. A lot of countries in Africa, when you check, oil, oil from oil, oil. The one that is found in Karonga now because Malawi has got oil on the lake. Uh, you can get petrol, you can get diesel, you can get gas, you can get plastics, you can get all sorts of things from oil. From oil. Botswana produces diamonds. Recently they found one big diamond. If you check, there is no polishing of diamonds in Botswana. All of it go to Switzerland where it's polished. Because that's where Jacob is. <laughs> Ghana produces gold. There is no a refinery for gold in Ghana. All of it is taken elsewhere. England, England, do you know that England does not produce gold? England produces coal. 
England produces corn. That's what they produce. But they have got all the gold. Oh, a lot of us as Africans, all we think about is producing raw material and we want to send it for export. Nobody sits down to think about, okay, can we add value? And this refusal to think and come up with strategies to take a primary produce, primary product, primary something else, to take it to the next level is what led Esau into trouble. That's what led Esau into trouble. A lesser man leaves the raw materials in the raw state, does not refine what he produces, and no wonder he sends it, it's refined, and it's sold back to him four times more. Ghana produces cocoa. Chocolate is made from cocoa. I can assure you, a lot of that cocoa is sent to Switzerland. Now, there's something very fun about Switzerland. My time is up. Switzerland, they can only, their season, their, the, the whole period that they can use for farming is only four months. Only four months. And yet they have the best chocolate. Where did they get the cocoa beans from? Japan is 80% mountainous. Only 20% land. You are driving a car. If I check, it's before it. Where, where do they get all that from? DRC, if there is a country that's so rich in minerals and everything else, you, you go, you find it in DRC. But there are places in DRC that there is absolutely no road. Amen? If you follow the system of Esau, you're going to serve the system of Jacob. Amen. Wisdom, wisdom is, is to take something that's natural, a talent, and until you turn it to become a skill, and you will be amazed what God is going to do. As I close, before we begin the second service, I want to say these words. If I ask all of us in this room, God has told you many things. How many of you God have told you something? Okay. You didn't hear me say, my son, my son, my son. <laughs> but you believe God told you something. My question is, have you processed it? So the problem is not Jacob. The problem is Esau's mentality. And until we change, we are always going to be servants. And next week, I'll continue from there. Let's pray. Father Jesus, we thank you, we bless you for this morning. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you'll be in church next week. All right. That's the end of our first service. Let, uh, if you brought an offering, those of you that came in a bit late, please just wait. The second service will be starting at 8.30. We'll finish at 9.30. We're keeping one hour these days. If you brought a tithe, if you brought an offering, please, uh, add a tithe.